Hello, and welcome to the Philosophical Angle podcast with your host, author Chris Angle. Hi, this is the Philosophical Angle show, and I'm your host, Chris Angle. I'm the author of four books on philosophy, one of which is The Nature of Aesthetics. If you'd like to contact us or make comments and suggestions about our programs, just give us a uh, an email at uh, chrisangle1 at gmail.com. Along with me is my colleague and co-host, Rick Samuelson. Rick graduated from Yale and is uh, an independent venture capitalist. Good to see you, Rick. Good to see you. The purpose of the Philosophical Angle program is to examine the nature of concepts being used in current media and secondarily use those definitions to understand the righteousness and ethical superiority of conservative positions. So this week we're going to discuss the university admission scandal where parents have uh, attempted or actually have bribed athletic officials at universities to give athletic preference for admissions purposes to their kids when they actually deserved no admission preference uh, for athletics. It's obviously a, an unethical situation as ethics so we're going to, yeah, we should probably define ethics. We're going to define it as the, as the uh, appropriate dispensation of respect. And this athletic case is obviously an unethical matter. The uh, admissions policy of, of the universities should be respected by all those involved, whether it's the admissions officers or anybody on the university staff and, and the people who apply to the universities. And the uh, obviously the parents uh, who made these bribes uh, were unethical in, that, in their decisional process because they applied the ends justifies the means philosophy, which is in actuality a lack of of any ethics at all. But uh, to discuss this a little bit more, uh, since uh, Rick graduated from Yale and is interested in this uh, particular uh, incident, let's hear from Rick and see what he has to say about uh, this admission scandals. Rick, what do you what do you think? Well, I th I think on the one hand. It is a rational response to a system which has many sources of distortion. Um, we know there are quotas that apply to different racial and ethnic groups at the leading universities. Um, they aren't necessarily published, but they're certainly there. Um, and so... You know, for, for parents who are seeking to somehow find a way into these places or for their children, uh, and, and knowing that there are all kinds of special dispensations given to individuals who qualify under 
one rubric or another, whether they're handicapped or of a certain race or whatever it is, you know, naturally the temptation or, or an athlete, naturally the temptation is to find one of those avenues to exploit. So I guess the first point I would make is that where you have these sorts of distortions, where the process is actually very opaque, um, from many from many points of view, the whole pricing phenomenon at universities now, you know, as regards tuition, is extremely opaque. Uh, rarely do people pay the same price, right? They are awarded scholarships or you know special benefits uh, according to a very complex, opaque system that rarely sees sees light light of day. Um, and as more information, you know, in this ongoing investigation, which will continue, I suspect, for quite some time, comes out, we're discovering that um, the dishonesty has all the dimensions one could possibly imagine. It just came out in the Wall Street Journal, for example, that certain kids were um, labeling, labeling themselves as, you know, black or non-white uh, in order to gain advantage on that score. You mentioned the fact that kids were applying under uh, different athletic considerations, even though they'd never played the sport. Um, there are other cases where kids have hired under the uh, handicap um, rubric. Right? In other words, because there are now special conditions under which you can take the SAT or ACT, um, if you declare yourself handicapped, they've been able to um, cleverly use uh, other people to take those tests for them or to have the test graded by someone who, you know, gives them an advantage. Uh, I mean, so the many manifestations of this are slowly coming out. Um it's obvious this is endemic. This is not limited to one university. Uh, Yale and Stanford are probably the most prominent to get that attention, but it's hard to imagine that uh, similar sorts of incidents won't be found at any of the competitive schools where, where, where people are willing to uh, put up some money, a limited amount of money, actually, in, in the greater scheme of things, uh, to get their child into the school. Um, I mean, when you compare that to, when you compare, say, 6.5 million, which is what a Chinese family donated to uh, one of Mark Singer's foundations, uh, when you compare that to, you know, the cost of naming a building, like at Yale or anywhere else, which could be in the hundreds of millions of dollars, it's, um, you know, it's kind of a bargain. Um, what <clears throat> What's really more shocking is the, the lack of mea culpa um, publicly. There have been a few instances where coaches have been exited. I've heard of no dean of undergraduate admissions being fired or resigning, uh, which is, is remarkable. Um, if, that is a, if that indeed is a core oversight responsibility, you would think at a minimum they would be fired on the spot. I mean, where is the scope for zero tolerance here with uh, 
documented dishonesty. Uh, the university subscribed to zero tolerance, you know, under the provisions of Title IX, or at least during the Obama administration, when when kids were accused of um, some sort of sexual depredation. Um, you know, they were strung up by a kangaroo court and expelled in short order. Um, this has happened. It's happened at Yale. It's happened in a lot of places. Uh, it's documented. Uh, but here, where you have actual dishonesty, where people are cheating on tests, where they're lying about their athletic qualifications or whether they're ever part of a sport, um, where they're lying about their race, um, we don't see really much in the way of consequences. You would think following you know, these latest uh, uh news items coming out of the Wall Street Journal and, and elsewhere that there will be a raft of kids that would have been expelled for even being suspected of this stuff. But no, uh, there have been actually limited expulsions. Um, I've heard of no degrees rescinded. Um, you would think that would be happening apace. You would think that um, there would be independent bodies brought in to examine what's going on uh, at these universities. Um, in the case of Yale, there is no independent body being brought in to look at the evidence and uh, vet the, um, the lack of controls at the admissions department. Um, it's all being done internally. Um, and one, one would suspect that because it's all being conducted internally, that, you know, you've got an administration in the midst of a, a, a fundamental conflict of interest, um, that is to say protecting itself uh, and, it's, and attempting to protect, protect its reputation. Uh, and so, you know, the risk that uh, guilty parties won't be revealed is extremely high. Uh, I've heard of no, none of the board of trustees at these universities taking any responsibility for this. Uh, you could argue that in a private setting, if this kind of thing were to happen, you know, the CEO would be at risk, uh, might resign, should resign, or be fired. Uh, the board of trustees would, would, uh, would certainly be suspect in terms of their lack of oversight. All of these moving parts that one would expect to be accountable uh, in what is by far the worst, you know, the worst uh, scandal uh, in a, a few generations. You would think that all of those uh, moving parts would uh, be brought to light, they'd be exposed, they'd be affected, they'd be uh, resigning, they'd be taking uh, a There'd be some accountability. They would be, um, they would at least apologize for what has happened. But no. Hey, uh, Rick, you mentioned something about um, uh, students uh, lying about race in order to get uh, uh, to get to get preference. Is one race better than another? Well, uh, in the article in the journal um, pointed to uh, I don't remember school in particular, but, you know, the child was white and had claimed he, he was black. 
Um, and of course, I guess there was a comment from the school that, well, you know, it's hard. It's some, sometimes hard to determine whether someone's white or black. It might be mixed race or something like that. Well, and this, I mean, either they lied or they didn't lie. It's pretty. It's a pretty bright line, you know. <laughs> it sounds like the subject matter, if it uh, has to be politically correct in order for it to be uh, volatile at the uh, at the university level for your uh, for heads to roll. In other words, if uh, this is probably done by liberal parents um, and perhaps uh, that has something to do with, uh, uh, with uh, uh, before a liberal media uh, uh, administration is probably why it hasn't been sw swept under the uh, uh, hasn't become uh, prominent uh, amongst the university issues well look I don't think you're going to see much in the way of any action taken until the lawsuits start, right? And they will, they will, they will be uh, a tidal wave, right? Uh, and what defense will these universities have when parents, uh, in large numbers, start to sue them for wrongfully denying admission to this or that child? Where will be the defense? Who will make these lawsuits? I, I suspect parents will organize. I mean, the parents that were left out, their child didn't get in because of yeah. preference to another. Yeah, they'll say, "Okay, you know, this Chinese girl got in. She wasn't. She wasn't. She was never on this sports team. Uh, she never played the sport, and yet you denied my son uh, admission, who actually did play a sport." Uh, was actually quite good at it, um, and had the same SAT scores. So, what gives? Where does it end? Yes. So, I, I, and these lawsuits could stretch on almost indefinitely. And at that point, when it starts to hurt financially, then I think you're going to start to see administrations and boards of trustees taking action. Until then, um, they're obviously circling the wagons. I've, I've. Um, publicly called for the resignation of the president of Yale. Um, I received a form letter back. I've received very little response from anyone in the, the administration, uh, including the, the head of the Yale Alumni Association, uh, the board of trustees. I circulated that call for resignation there. No response. Um, you know, it, it, to me, it looks like um, you know a typical uh, cover-up. Very typical cover-up. Okay. I sent it to the Yale Daily News. They never printed it. New York Daily News or Yale Daily The Yale Daily News. Yale Daily News, okay. Uh, Rick, uh, thank you for your insight into this problem, and uh, we'll see everybody else on the uh, Philosophical Angle next week. Thank you. Thank you for joining us on the Philosophical Angle podcast. Be sure to subscribe and join us for the next installment.